everyone, welcome back to the Rose Woman Pod. It's Christine. If you know me, you know I love to travel. That the experience of stepping out of my cultural frame and seeing something new and understanding firsthand how different people live on earth, it's such an exciting thing. There's so much beauty and so much possibility in having these dialogues. And that doesn't have to be something fancy. It can be camping or going to a new neighborhood or going to an extreme nature location within uh, a few hours drive. The attitude of being a traveler and being curious is kind of an internalized thing. In the time of COVID and global pandemic, we're severely constrained on where and how we can travel and what we can do. But that doesn't mean this isn't still part of our reality and this time will also pass. So I wanted to have an episode that specifically talked about women in travel, internalizing the creative aspect of asking questions and going to new places and how that might create more freedom in your body. So, you know, you know me, I like to tell the anecdotes, but also I like the data. So I went and looked at the studies to tell you exactly why this travel is good for you. It makes you more open-minded. It changes your brain and makes you more creative. Even four days of stepping out of your normal life will have an echo in your biochemistry, your neurobiochemistry for 45 days. And it reduces disease. Even planning for a trip makes you less depressed. And I'll use this quote from the wonderful Anthony Bourdain, who many of us loved and adored because he showed us how to step in and be brave and bold and creative and reach for things and try new things so fearless. And he chose how he ended his life also for a lot of reasons. So that's also in there. But here's his quote. He says, travel changes you. As you move through this life and this world, you change things slightly. You leave marks behind, however small. And in return, life and travel leaves marks on you. Most of the time, those marks on your body or on your heart are beautiful. My guest today is Janine Cohen. She is an expedition planner. She ran global sales for geographic expeditions. So she's been far and wide across the globe, Europe, Africa, Asia, Antarctica, but then eventually began specializing in Latin America. She is committed to travel conservation efforts. She's on the board of the International Galapagos Tour Operators Association and an active member of the Adventure Travel Trade Association. And she runs her own podcast called The Everyday Magic Project, which is about bringing the magic of travel back into everyday life. And now she's focusing on adventure travel and women's transformation. Janine Cohen, Magic Momentum Manifestation, please welcome her to the Rose Woman Pod. I'm so happy to have the my magical unicorn friend, Janine Cohen, on the pod today. She is the kind of person who dresses her gorgeous dancing body in a giant inflatable unicorn suit and dances across the deck of a boat in Antarctica. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I mean, I feel like that's enough to say for people to get the feeling for who you are. (laughs) 
Thank you. I It's so great to start a podcast episode with just a full body laugh like that because... <laughs> You know, sometimes, Christine, I just think, um, you know, did that really happen, that epic trip that we took in, Pat in um, well, I was going to say Patagonia, I was there too, but Antarctica and the dancing around with all of our beautiful unicorns um, and the unicorn suit was just absolutely epic. Yeah, our conception of time is totally changing and collapsing. I would like to give the listeners just a little background on that trip. We had an amazing friend who... For his whole life, he'd led massive expeditions all over the world. He had a sailing club that he started in the 70s in Berkeley. And um, he had a double, he had a full lung transplant. And they gave him two years where after the lung transplant, he couldn't leave the area near the hospital. And when that was over, he could travel. And he said the first thing he wanted to do was take all of his friends to his favorite, on his favorite trip ever, which was to Antarctica. And if it hadn't been for that, like this, it was this gratitude for his life to join him on this trip. And it was such a highlight to be doing it with all of these people who loved one another and loved him. And it was time out of time, but it gave like a spiritual impetus and a deeper meaning to the trip, aside from what was already a magical experience. It was really a miracle that he survived and really he was thriving and getting stronger on that trip. And I think it just goes to show also, you know, the thing we already know, which is really it's the company that's always the most important thing. I mean, that trip was absolutely epic, but we also had four days of just kind of sitting on a boat where you could kind of make whatever meaning you want to make out of that. You could either say, oh, well, I'm bored and, you know, I don't want to quote unquote waste time, you know, just sitting on a boat for two days in each direction. Or you could take it as a real opportunity, I think, as we did to just say, wow, how cool is it that I get to have time with my friends in an undistracted way to really deepen conversations and just really reflect on this period because I think for many of us on that trip and I've heard the same about Antarctica just in general that it does have that ability to really flip your perspective on its head and then when you come out on the other side you end up really rejiggering a lot of things I, I know it's what happened with me I mean you know that I was really in the depth of a lot of life change which I'm still going through and that trip was really the impetus for that I love that you brought up the days in transit. It was nauseating for some of us. We were up and down. And so you also were not able to move around the boat. Like you would, it's a small boat, a traditional cruise ship. And I spent a lot of that time laying in my cabin, talking to various people who'd come and lay on the floor next to me. <laughs> you know? but, but it was the stillness of the Antarctic, it was the stillness of the South Pole that stayed with me long after the trip. What really stayed with me after Antarctica was the silence and the stillness and the beauty of that environment and the feeling that no matter what was happening on the frenzy of the main cities of Earth or in the human culture, there was always this searching for equilibrium and this nourishment that was happening in the quiet zones of the planet that really was serving us all the time, like a container for activity of this beautiful deep stillness of the poles and the vast oceans and like a dynamic stillness that really stayed with me. 
So yes, the silence in Antarctica did also stay with me for a very long time. And the clarity of the energy there and the light, I think really affected me in terms of just having that clarity in mind space around really pursuing what was in the highest alignment in my own life. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's always the inner work that we're doing and the outer work, right? To make sure that there's alignment on both fronts. And that's kind of been, I think, the big challenge for a lot of people during COVID, those who are in cities or those who are in, you know, really urban places right now in terms of having that connection with the energetic field and literally the energetic grid that's around us and picking up on all of the various frequencies, which creates static and fog and confusion, right? They can. But then when you're in a place that's so brilliant and clean, quote unquote, like Antarctica, being exceptionally respectful of the place and minimizing impact as much as possible. And the outfit that we went with did uh, definitely do that as much as possible. And actually, they're on the forefront of conservation in Antarctica. Edenic clear, deep waters, these giant creatures. Um, and I felt the same way, like it held a higher light, like a higher possibility. I've had that in other places that I've traveled, you know, high mountains, very remote deserts and things like that. And perhaps for me, yes, it, yes, it's been beautiful to travel with friends. I want to come back to that and talk about the company you keep and all of that stuff. But also this power of getting out into wild places and also this power of getting out into wild places to wake us back up to our own inner nature. And you've been doing trips like this for a long time, uh, you know, taking yourself and taking others and curating experiences for others. Uh, in fact, you kind of pioneered a whole new thing on, on women's adventure travel for inner transformation, transformative travel. So do you want to talk a little bit about more broadly what you're seeing with your customers and your friends and client base? It's been 15 years, my entire career really committed to opening people's worlds up to the possibilities and the myriad of realities that are happening in other parts of the world. I'm always coming back to the why, right? The why do we travel? And, you know, for me, it's always really been about transformation. And I'm very grateful a number of years ago through a, an event of complete synchronicity, I ended up meeting the founders of the Transformational Travel Council, which I'm now an ambassador for, because I think it's really not enough to go to just simply go to a place. And travel can really be a catalyst for that too, sort of following the work of Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey of thinking about, or the heroine's journey in this particular case, it really can be either, right? So really thinking about, you know, what is it about this journey that is calling to me and doing the preparation before the trip and really setting intentions around things, which you're, Christine, you're always so amazing about. You're always so amazing about having intention really about everything, almost like a, the day is kind of a moving meditation, which I've always really respected and admired about you. But the trip, especially something like Antarctica, where you do have that sense of journey and it's two days across on both sides to really have a whole and complete um, sense of journey where there's the preparation, then you're on the trip and you're kind of pushing your edges in some different ways, your edges and boundaries and seeing what shifts that that can create and what that can open up for you. 
And then, um, you know, ceremony. Ceremony is very important in terms of calling in what you want and releasing what's not serving anymore. And then the return home. So the return home is really the return to your physical space where you came from. But really, it's just a, a return home to you, to the center, to really reflect back and 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 harness the power of that experience to think about, you know, what was it that I was feeling that made me feel alive? Or what was it now that I had the space to kind of get away from the grind of things to really, what kind of information did it give to me about the kind of life I want to be leading now in this chapter, because we only live once, right? Actually, I don't even know why I said that, because I actually do believe that we live over and over. But let's just say for this particular lifetime, we have limited, we have limited time, it's not infinite time. So as far as the trips go that I'm working on now, I'm really focused on women and giving them the tools to really not only be resilient and get through this time, but how to really upshift into a totally new consciousness and way of living from, you know, I say mind, body, and spirit, obviously they're all one. Um, they're not, they're not separate at all and really be kind of stepping more into the divine feminine and the way in which that I'm doing it now on the trips that I'm focused on are really through kiting. So I was living in Mexico for, a good deal of the pandemic, really for the first uh, five months of the pandemic, I found myself living in Mexico, actually, in the Yucatan Peninsula, almost by accident, one could say, but almost as if sort of some, there was some divine intervention in my own life, because I had been going a million miles an hour, happily on the surface, but really, you know, deeply exhausted, I think, in many ways of not being able to really and truly process my own traumas or emotions, um, to put it quite frankly, and kind of always being in this unicorn space where everything's great and wonderful and awesome, but not really understanding the depth of emotion on either side or really having the courage to lean into my emotions and really just sit with them and be with them and let the energy run through my body so that it could then pass. You know, there was, I don't know if it was repression, but let's say a not, not a full embodiment of that, um, Anyway, that's all just to say that I had this kind of huge awakening in Mexico because I was staying on unknowingly, but I then came to realize I was actually staying on the Shikshalub crater, which is the crater that made the dinosaurs go extinct. Uh, and it's a major energetic point in the world. Um, actually, the Mayans believe it's a door to another dimension. And um, just being there and paddling every day and swimming every day, having that be part of my routine, I really leaned into the fact that, you know, wisdom is, is, is perennial, but knowledge is, is always changing, right? But kind of tapped into a deep wisdom that I almost didn't know where it came from, but was very informative especially around the, the being and not so much of the doing and how I might benefit from that as a woman and as a professional in many, many ways and how it could complement my life and really redefine who I was and release the ego in certain capacity. So anyway, that whole thing was yeah, such yeah. a transformative experience in my life that now I'm bringing women back to the Yucatan to do kiting 
and a whole lot of other things too, including incredible shaman ceremonies and vegan Mexican cooking because I totally changed my diet with the help of a wonderful friend who taught me how to cook vegan Mexican food. And, um, you know, through creating incredible like oils and potions to heal ourselves, to dream work and breath work and coaching, group coaching, um, different archeological sites, just swimming in these cenotes, which I could tell you a little bit more about what those are. Well, I think I'd like to just go back a little bit because this feeling of using an extended break to catch up with yourself, like to bring yourself current and it, whether you're doing it in your home environment or you're doing it with travel where travel, you know, obviously can open up a new perspective, putting yourself into a new space with new people and a new environment can do it. But the arc that you're describing, like the arc of the trip, the preparation, the, the being there, the ceremony, all of that is something that we can talk a little bit more about, about porting that into daily life. But this sense that uh, when you're doing it, when you catch up with yourself and you see clearly, it's never just for you. It's for everyone that touches you and touches your life. Like nobody goes into, well, maybe there are some people, but very few people go into periods of healing and holing and, uh, and awakening and finding their bliss and joy again, and then just stay there for themselves. They bring that back out and light others up. So this period of renewal or transformation is never just for the self alone. It's also for the, for the community. You feeling amazing, you being in your bliss, you being an extension and expression of divine creation, you being in your, your power and beauty and intelligence and wisdom is just for you. It's for everybody you encounter all day long. I think I'm so glad that you brought that up. And I think it's a really important thing to highlight because I did just go to a workshop myself in Santa Fe and, and it was amazing to me really how much guilt there was. Not from me, I don't have that guilt, but from some of the other women, you know, trying to put judgment aside around, around that, about really stepping into their joy and stepping into transformation and how they just kind of wouldn't let them themselves go there because we as women, we're always thinking about the whole, right? We're always thinking about how does this affect other people? How does this affect my community? How does this affect my family, my partner, et cetera? It's why women are such incredible leaders because they're using all these different parts of their brain. For men, things are always, not always, but often tend to be black and white. And for women, they're taking in a tremendous amount of information all the time and they're being much more thoughtful when it comes from to making decisions. They're coming more from a place of community-based decision and also from intuition as opposed to the rational mind, which tends to be more black or white. So um I agree. And actually, with regards to that sense of purpose, well, it, it, we didn't mention it, but it is having a sense of purpose. Obviously, at least to me, and I know to you too, we're all so intrinsically and deeply, deeply connected that when you start to really drop into the drop into that, you do really start to realize the the oneness of all of us. And Christine, the craziest thing is that ever since I went through this kind of transformation that I literally feel like not to get religious, I'm not a religious person, but almost like the hand of God on me, if you could say that, where I feel kind of divinely protected in a way because I really know that I am in this world for a higher purpose and a higher reason. So to give you a tangible example of that, 
Right now, I've started a, a women's leadership group. It started a couple of years ago, but I've been really focusing on expanding that and making it into a professional women's association for women who work in the adventure and luxury travel space. But I've never run for more than 30 seconds in my entire life. I have thought of myself as someone who hates running. And then all of a sudden, literally, as I'm running, because I'm running now every day, I literally feel like there's a string attached to me in my, like from my heart, pulling me, like someone is literally pulling me. And I think it's because, I mean, I don't really know exactly why it's happening, but my belief is that God, the Pachamama, Allah, whoever you want to call or whoever, what I have no idea is just kind of tapped me and said, you know, you have a real responsibility right now to stay healthy in terms of your physical health, which will then help you feel mentally better so you can stay in that place of strength and clarity for all of these other women who really need you right now. So for someone who wasn't running at all and now on hour long runs and all these other, you know, eating clean and all of this stuff, I mean, I lost 20 pounds during the pandemic and I wasn't on a diet. I've never lost weight in my entire life. It's just something else is kind of pulling me along in a way that's hard to describe. Mm. Well, you talk about the kiting experience and bringing women into that and this feeling of really being in your body. You're meant to move as a human creature many, many hours a day. And so many of us are sitting at our desks or on our sofa and that is such a depressant. It's a full body depressant not to move. So we have found ways even locally just to go like I'm hitting tennis balls every day. I'm riding my bike instead of I haven't gotten in the car in forever hiking, you know, anything that I can do to move, to put on the costumes and dance around the living room, anything to be in this beautiful machine uh, of the body. And uh, that without that, so much gets trapped and left inside of the body. This, When you're talking about being carried forward, carried along, the word that came to mind was unencumbered. Like nothing's attached itself to you. There's no weight you're pulling. You don't have to grimace to drag along the bricks behind you. And so much of that is stored in the body. The bricks aren't like are the emotional blocks, the old stuff that's hanging out in there, the traumas, the fears. And the only way to get rid of them is to start moving. So I love that you're including activity as part of the plan. Your the plans you're offering women. Um, I have a question. I have a question for you on um, the difference between. Okay, I have a question for you on the difference between traveling alone as a woman, solo travel. You know, going out and hiking or kayaking or something by yourself, going with a partner, traveling sort of as a couple and then traveling with a group of women and what you see as the differences in the outcomes for women in particular? Wow, that's a really interesting question. Well, you know, the first thing that comes to mind that I know is a lot of, uh, is on many people's minds, women is around safety when it comes to traveling alone. And I've never felt unsafe in any place that I've been, but I also have communities and all of these places. So I never feel, you know, completely alone. I'm someone who 
to be, even though I, I really have learned quite deeply in this whole experience to spend more time alone and really to relish in it and, and to relish in it and enjoy it and do self-massage and baths and put on my headphones and walk and audiobooks and all of that. I can say that I'm really not a person who enjoys super extended travels on my own. Some people are really into that and they like it, but I'm not, I'm not one of those people. Um, I do think that there's a lot of value in spending parts of days alone, or even maybe even a couple of days alone in terms of reflection and journaling. But, but everyone, I don't know, this is my personal opinion that everyone really needs a witness, right. To our lives. Um, Mm. and that we're so powerful when we're together. And so whether it's a romantic partner or a girlfriend or something, I mean, I personally find a lot more joy as far as the longer trips and taking someone along and, you know, my friends and my, you know, my ex, my ex, uh, husband, you know, I I got to have all of these plus ones over the years and taking these really juicy, amazing trips. And I've always really enjoyed bringing people along with me or meeting people who then you travel with for little bits of time. As far as groups go, groups of women, I mean, you saw it even from our little group in Antarctica, right? It's just that everyone was really contributing something to that whole scenario. And we all had this amazing opportunity to learn from one another, but also to be in conversation and being in conversation, verbalizing things can really lead to a lot of clarity too, as opposed to just writing everything down. There, there are tools, like for example, the Transformational Travel Council just has released a journal that is really amazing when it comes to uh, really uncovering what are those beliefs that we may have that could limit us and what are the intentions we want to set and that whole cycle of the hero's journey to kind of set it in. But I think that in terms of some of the key things that, in my opinion, really need to happen to set forth real change requires a container, right? And also Mm -hmm. some facilitation. So I think that there's a huge amount of value in that. Now, balance is important too. So not to say that when someone takes a trip and it's different for everyone, you know, your level of how independent or structured or unstructured you want to be. But what tends to happen in my view, when one takes a trip that's totally unscheduled and alone is you don't necessarily get quite as much out of it versus if there is some facilitation, if transformation is what you're after. Now, if you're looking to just kind of go and sit on the beach for a couple of days and really um, you know, change your inner work isn't a priority for you, that's something else. But I know that it's priority for you, Christina, and, and for me. And so I'm guessing for your listeners too, that they're always looking to kind of upshift and grow as well. So I think it's a really good idea. That being said, you want to be really careful about who you're around because there's a lot of energy moving around in the world right now. And a lot of people can become kind of unhinged. So I think the idea of going on a trip where everyone who's there either are your friends and you're kind of traveling in a sort of pod or bubble, or it's just the group has been highly curated so that you know that everyone who's going to be there is there for a reason and they're going to be really adding to that experience, especially in the years to come, is going to be increasingly important. And the trips that I'm putting together, you know, there's there's an application process and, you know, people really have to be sound uh, mind and really ready to kind of do the work and be grounded before they come in, you know, they're invited into the sacred experience. Yeah. I would like to do a whole podcast to just call it stay hinged. 
Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, like, I don't know what's happening across this political spectrum and the spiritual spectrum. People are just not able to ground. I, I really, you, I really believe that the only job you have right now is to learn how to manage your triggers so that you can stay grounded, equanimous, and sane in an increasingly chaotic external cir- circumstances world. And that, that learning how to do that is, is vital to be witnessed. What you said about being witnessed what in transformation in particular, when you're doing healing work and you are learning how to manage your triggers, somebody has to be with you. And then later on, you can operate that in isolation in, as you walk through the world by yourself. But particularly if you're doing transformative work, you have to be healed. I will say that the silence, like I sat for three weeks in silence alone. And that's not healthy for everybody. But for the people who do it, you get to really see how all of the difficulties in your life are from your mind's response. And underneath that is basically a south pole of the spirit, a still, still mind central you know, and I, I do ritual every single day to kind of come back into that I, in the morning and in the evening to keep that equanimous still uh, lake present. And still uh, a couple of times a year, I seek out experiences with others that will bring me current in, in whatever is going on and, and keep me on that path forward. I agree with you. So be careful who you're around. Be careful who you're around is a good place to go next. What if you can't choose who you're around in the moment? What if you're stuck? Okay. We're, we could talk about, okay, we're not traveling anywhere for the next year. I mean, I am, I'm going to drive up to Bend, Oregon and help a friend today who is in a difficult spot. And, you know, I am going to drive and see my mother in Tucson, but I'll be careful not infecting other people. And on the way, stop in the great Santa Rosa plateau with those giant, boulders that look like you're in a prehistoric land and climb all over them and just and it will just be me but I'm not nearly as excited about that idea as joining you in the Yucatan and learning how to kite you know so this this sort of tension between um wanting to you know wanting to honor what the culture is saying which is stay put and keep the elders safe basically uh and also to continue living my life and exploring within that constraint. Um, yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, I know what I was saying. So a lot of people aren't moving around and they're stuck with people that, you know, maybe aren't the best for their evolution at this moment in time. Uh, what do you say to them? Well, I mean, I, I hate to kind of be the bearer of bad news on this, but I mean, obviously you can't break up with your kids, but if you, a lot of people are, a lot of relationships I've seen end, as you know, or start during COVID, everyone is, it's just this whole thing is kind of amplified what's going on with regards to relationships in general, because everyone's kind of locked down with who you're with. But I mean, for me personally, I wouldn't really spend a lot of time with someone who I didn't have full conscious decision that that is the choice that I'm making. Um, I mean, I'm very, I feel very privileged in this whole situation, um, you know, and that I don't have kids, for example, not to say that, I mean, I know it's an amazing experience to be a mother. It's not one that I know, 
what it is, but I think everyone's thinking more critically about, you know, what kind of company they want to be around right now. And also with regards to if you can't control who you're going to be around, really learning the tools around protecting your own energy and again, coming back to grounding. So grounding is a really great tool to take on if you are going to meet someone, for example, who you know can kind of throw you off your balance to really have that toolkit of what you do, the meditation, going into the meditation sanctuary, um, and then also literally having some practices through energy medicine to ground to the earth, to the core of the earth, is a great way to get set up. I mean, it's not the travel that's the most challenging for people in a normal year. It's like going home for Christmas, right? Like, how do you show up when you're faced with all of these different family dynamics and around people who maybe can set triggers off for you. That's the kind of the real test. But I think for right now in the year of COVID, I mean, my advice really is for anyone to kind of minimize that. There's already so many layers of things that are going on talking about being hinged or unhinged. I mean, I'm personally doing everything that I can to really be in my very highest alignment, including being careful around who I'm spending time with. I think others are doing that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm lucky to have landed in a neighborhood where the everyone around us is really uh, not operating on a the fear OS, FOS. You know, they're operating on the love OS, which means that they're helping each other out. They're sharing resources. You know, we do social distance talent show the other night and stuff like that. You know, it's like it's good, but really, you do have to say, if you're operating on a fear OS. What are you afraid of? Political upheaval? That's happened like a million times in history. What are you afraid of? Climate change? Then, you know, stop consuming and get out there and make a choice that evolves your own life. Like you evolve your life and tell others how you're evolving your life. Maybe they'll catch it too. Like change happens by the micro decisions of millions of people. It doesn't happen, generally speaking, by one massive force that's reflective of the change that's already happened in the heart of the individual. So you know, if you're if you're in the 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 love OS doesn't have as hard of a time with external change. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I love what I do love what you're saying about love in general because that's the anecdote to fear, right? Is is love to be in that place of love, and that's that's been kind of the really interesting thing for COVID. Now that I've come back to the U.S. and I see what's happening. I just took this phenomenal trip around the American West with a wonderful friend who I can tell you more about, talk about manifesting. I literally manifested this new fr- new lifelong friend into my life, and we spent a month together on the road. I didn't know her before, and we just kind of jumped into it, not blindly from a place of deep intuition, but what was interesting about that road trip was just to see how people are kind of driving around the U.S. right now. And a lot of it is people are kind of shopping for new life because they just sort of woke up to, obviously there's a diaspora happening with people leaving cities and going into deep nature. Everyone knows that. Um, But also people are just waking up and saying, gosh, the one thing I learned about this is really my happiness is the most important thing. That seems to be what I see in common for people. And and I'm not going to wait to live my dreams. You know, I want to go live in that mountain town in Colorado. I'm going to do it. Or I want to go, you know, live on the ocean. I'm going to do that. And that's why I really think travel 
Um, I mean, I see this for myself as just a huge opportunity to go inward and also grow and reflect. I've been doing a really intense course myself on energy medicine, which is all about grounding, you know, just mm. spending months and months learning about grounding. Um, because I really think that in a year from now, yes, we can't travel for a while, but when travel does come back, it's going to be like a slingshot because everybody is just so desperate to get out there. Even people who didn't even think they wanted to travel now want to travel. Um, but there are ways to still travel safely now. There aren't many countries that are open to U.S. Um, travelers, but there are a few. And Mexico is one of those. And I'm really impressed by the way that Mexico, it's different from state to state. But at least where I was in the Yucatan, I was just so impressed with the way that the government has handled things in terms of safety and security protocols has been wonderful. Well, I th that's true. I want to come back to where else we can where else we can go if we're if we're choosing. But what you're saying about the shopping for a new life is totally resonating. I'm I was thinking on my own family, and three of my four children relocated during the pandemic and they and two of the three of the ones that relocated relocated from this deep love of the mountains exactly what you're talking about um, my sons have been going up to colorado and montana and idaho and wyoming for years they're extreme winter skiers and um, outdoor avid outdoorsmen nature lovers and they moved to whitefish montana and my daughter who's been tearing herself apart commuting between her job in New York and Connecticut, where her mother-in-law is, and trying to manage her partner's 200 nights a year on the road as a drummer, all of a sudden, they've just moved up into the country in Connecticut. There are kids in a school where the classroom size is 10 kids to one teacher, and they are and, and they're working from there, this location independence that became evident. The only reason I'm living in an expensive, crowded, dirty city with the helicopters overhead and the, you know, is because I needed to go to work. And with all of these constraints that you can educate and you can work from anywhere, people are making these choices that are also much more economically sane. You know, trying to get by on one paycheck or two halves of two paychecks so that it makes one and enjoying the spaciousness that arises from not having to scratch at the edges to make a living. So that's, that's definitely up for everybody. And like you said, moving to the country, moving to nature, big deal, big deal, wanting more of that. So what is it like going into Mexico or going into Croatia or other places where people are moving these days? Well, it's kind of a moving target because it seems that the policies and procedures have been really changing quite regularly. So it's a, to, frankly, it's, it's, I, I haven't been totally on top of it with Croatia and some other places, but I can speak to Mexico that, you know, they take your temperature upon return. Um, they're not enforcing a 14 day quarantine. Um, but that being said, uh, I think that the way to go for people who are interested in going there is just simply renting a villa. You know, that's been a big trend in travel just in general is just having things be as private as possible, going with your own crew, especially, I don't know if going to Mexico City, I don't think that's really on anyone's minds right now. I don't know that I would do that. I am going to go there just because I have to do some paperwork, but there are so many wonderful places in Mexico where you can have a wonderful, wonderful experience and just be, um, you know, more in nature places. So, um, 
Yeah, it's, I think it's, I, I, I think it's great. I mean, I'm going, I'm actually today, Christine, I'm packing my house. I'm in the middle of kind of my own transition. I've lived here in the Bay Area for 15 years and I fell in love with Mexico so much when I was, you know, quote unquote, stuck there that I decided to go back. <laughs> so I was there on a consulting project um, and also working full time that ended the week that COVID started and then ended up being there, you know, for all of those months after I wasn't really working full-time anymore, just taking on some coaching and consulting and building out various businesses and just realized like, wow, I can live really, really well here and I'm happy and I can just eat fresh food and be swimming every day. And what a, what an extraordinary life. So I'm going back. Uh, I hope you have a guest room. <laughs> well, um, let's let's uh, talk a little bit about the Everyday Magic Project, and what what, assuming we're spending our winter dreaming and scheming up something for next summer, like what you always wanted to do in your life but didn't do before, and we're changing our. Um, we're changing our lives to meet our values and we're cultivating our equanimity. We're forming a love operating system and an ethics of belonging to the people that really are healthy for us. All this good stuff is happening. Uh, and in the meantime, we want to infuse that with joy. So talk about your Everyday Magic Project. Well, thanks for asking about that. I think that the Everyday Magic Project is really more relevant than ever Several people have actually contacted me saying just that. And I thought, wow, you're right. It totally is. And the Everyday Magic Project has always been about how do I harness the aliveness that I feel when I travel to have in my everyday life? And now, as you said, we're not traveling. So how can my life be more joyful? So I really, over the years, interviewed a number of people. I have my own podcast, um, and it's been big wave surfers and sailors. Anthony has been that sailor and writers and poets and artists and musicians and entrepreneurs. And, and really it's been about what it, it hasn't really been about travel. Actually, the podcast, these people are in far flung destinations, but it's really about what makes their life at home really magical. And what can we learn about that, that we want, want to bring into our own lives? So it's kind of that merging of travel, but then also the, I don't know, self-improvement or self-reflection space that's there and really reflecting on, well, what are the commonalities that come up again and again between those podcast episodes and about those people who seem to really have it figured out when it comes to joy and a few things, but always at the center is community. And that's been kind of the big line in the sand for people, right? Who are living in cities is, are you alone? Do you have community? Do you have a support network? Um, you know, who are you with? Like, who's your quarantine pod, right? And, um, and also just showing up in the world with a sense of presence and not really dismissing anything. So I'll just speak from personal experience uh, or my own personality per se. And I'm sure you can relate to this a little bit, maybe not as extreme that, you know, I'm like the unicorn believing in infinite possibilities. So I always think like, you know, I can just do anything all the time, but you can do anything, but you can't do everything. 
So there's also some grief involved in, you know, if it's the fig tree, for example, that's just got infinite numbers of branches and then, you know, all these figs are falling to the ground and you're running around with a basket trying to catch them all. But then a lot of them are just falling to the ground and rotting because there's no possibly possible way you can get them all. You know, you kind of have to just commit to one, right? Or maybe two or three at the most. So you can really capitalize on those figs and yet still acknowledge that some of the other figs are falling and also acknowledge the grief around that. That's kind of what I've come to terms with recently too, that yes, if I believe in infinite possibilities and infinite dimensions and realities, and I believe I can just reach into any other dimension and, and grab something and pull it back into my own dimension, then there's loss in all of these other dimensions that are simultaneously happening that I'm not personally experiencing. But again, the only antidote to that is just being fully present in the dimension that you've chosen, in the place where you are, and really the one fig that you are holding just to relish and how delicious it is and be fully present with that. Acknowledge the grief of the loss of the other figs, but then just hold the one that you have close to you and really fully enjoy it. Beautiful. I was in the country this summer and there were all of these orchards, pear and apple orchards that were dropping fruit all over the ground. And there were only three people there, not nearly enough to eat it and no commercial outlet and no one to give them to. And they were just laying on the ground rotting. And there was something in me that felt that that was so shameful, you know, uh, till, and, and until I was like, oh, no, they have their own ecosystem without being used. Let them let them sink in and become compost for something else. And that there's just because you're not the one executing it or doing it doesn't mean that the idea didn't do something or spark something or get taken over by someone else. Um, so nothing really is wasted. Um, so I would love to hear, we end the pod by asking one question. If there's one takeaway that you could give a person on how to become a little bit more free or more liberated in their life, uh, something that's worked for you and that you'd love it if more people would try, what might that be? Hmm, that's a great question. I think when it comes to manifesting and making change, well, maybe two things. One is to kind of hold the vision of what you want and to acknowledge that when you are a true visionary, that sometimes linear time has to catch up with your vision. So to just be patient and hold the vision, but not hold too tightly how it needs to happen. It could show up in a really different way than you might expect. Um, so that's one. And then the second thing when it comes to manifesting, because I'm all about manifesting, I really deeply believe in that, is really feeling what you want to exist in the world and, and really holding the feeling of that as if it exists already, but not putting too much attention into the things that we don't want, you know, saying, oh, I want it. I don't like this. I want to change it. Well, instead of focusing on those things, focus to focus more on the thing that you do want and hold the vision, but also the feeling of what it feels like and what it would feel like if it was real and to really believe that it is because manifesting is just getting back the energy that we're putting out into the world. So if we're holding to the vision and really believing it's, it's true, then that's what we're going to get back. Um, 
And then I guess the third thing, of course, when it comes to women, sorry, you said one, but I think this is a pretty relevant one that I'm hearing a lot of, is that there seems to be, people have a lot of confusion right now during COVID. There's a lot of things that aren't clear. And, and I, don't, I don't presume to be perfect when it comes to this. I, I'm not here to tell you like, oh yeah, I have it all figured out and I know, you know, I know exactly what I'm doing. But one easy way to think about the options are when you have a lot of different options, I think we tend to spend way, way too much time thinking and worrying about the maybes. And really the question to ask would be, what would it take to make the maybe into a hell yes? And if there's not any really obvious answer there, then it's a no. And if there are multiple exciting decisions, then it's just simply, what do I hold in my highest excitement? The very highest excitement, not because of security, not because of money, not because of any other reason, or it's going to make someone else happy, or it's going to make me feel safe. But really, what do I hold in the highest excitement? And if it's multiple things that you feel excited about, that's great. But just kind of pick the one that you feel the highest excitement about and focus there first. And that can be your North Star. Oh, I love that. Yeah, not the what. I think the feeling tone component is exactly real. I was thinking, oh, how do I want to feel? I feel gracious and expansive and confident. I want to feel fit and strong and funny. I want to feel energized and curious. And like when I can feel all of that, like remember a time when I had all of those things or one of them at a time and then like be in my body, like even just saying the words or visualizing that time makes it real in the moment. Well, thank you so, so much, Christine, for having me. I just love you so much. And I'm really, really just, I'm very honored and also humbled that you would invite me to be on your podcast. And I am so impressed with what you're doing to help women around the world. And thank you so much for the energy that you're putting out there. Thank you. Yeah. Liberation is my thing. Liberation theology in every form, whether it's pussyceuticals or it's travel or it's sitting in silence and getting to know your own mind. Be free. <laughs> we do need it. We do need it. And the only way to have freedom is to release fear. So thank you for encouraging women to do that too.